1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News, the first of a new football season and we've got a bumper um, pre-season look back and a uh, coming season preview to bring you today. My name is Dan Murphy and joining
0: me today, as always, is Mr Joe Bray. Joe, how's it going? Not too bad, thanks. Glad for the football to uh, to be back. Yeah, yeah. football, glad, glad to uh, be focusing on that again.
1: Absolutely. And also with me today is Mr Tyrone Marshall. Ty, how's it going fella?
2: Yes, very good, Dan. Like Joe, I'm looking forward to the to the start of the season. There's only so much rhythmic swimming one man can watch during the Olympics before they're <laughs> pining for a bit of Premier League action, isn't there? I said, well,
1: certainly more than me, the only thing I have watched in the Olympics <laughs> was the the good old women's 800 metre, and I must say, Averton's on, big shout out oh, yeah, to yeah, keith yeah. Hodgkinson, getting that silver medal, bringing it home to the M46, you'd love to see it. But anyway, on to a, uh, a Manchester postcode, a bit lower in number after it, we'll talk about City's pre-season, which Joe, it has been quite... A roller coaster of a preseason. Um, large spells of nothing happening, disruptions to um, training due to COVID breakouts and cancelled friendlies and hastily rearranged friendlies. Players on long breaks due to um, participation in this summer's international tournaments. Where does City stand? Going on two days before the Premier, they get their Premier League type defence underway.
0: Well, if you look at the squad that's been training this week, it's as almost full strength as you can get. Having Phil Foden's injury and uh, Aymar Laporte is still isolating, and apart from that, it looks from a distance as if everyone's there. But as we know, a lot of those players have only returned this week. They've been in Euro 2020 and Copa America action. Some players have had you know little niggles and little injuries, and uh, it's. I don't think it's going to be a full strength side that that starts at Tottenham on Sunday. But you've got these players, and, and Pep Guardiola said you've got. Some players who can, who just need a day or two of training, and some who need maybe a week or two to get up to scratch. So um, I think it'll be a little bit like last season, where you you've got two or three games to really settle on that that starting eleven that that will be the one to to go forward. But um, they, they, they've got time. It's a tough fixture schedule at the start, but they've got a little bit of time with no midweek games for a month or so to to get into that groove. So it, it will be interesting. We've seen um a fairly solid back back five play in pre-season in the three the three friendlies in the community shield so i'd expect that to be probably the way that they go for for the tottenham game at least ruben diaz playing the full pre-season is, is obviously a bonus players like fernandinho his his experience is going to be uh vital in this this early stage, Ilkay Gundogan's played a few games as well, and and then you've got chances um, for for some fringe players, Benjamin Mendy, Nathan Ake. They're not going to play as much when the uh, when the bigger players get to full fitness, so it's their opportunity to to really take that and uh, show Pep Guardiola why why they deserve to to play a bit more of a part than they did last season. So it's not an ideal pre-season. Um, results have been okay. Community Shield. Was, was one of those games that just went against City at, at the end after a lot of changes in that second half. But um, considering everything that's gone on, like you say, the the tournaments, the the COVID problems, um, I, I think City are in as, as good a position as they could be given all those circumstances.
1: Yeah, definitely. There was a friendly with Troyes in France, a Cisco that had to be cancelled due to the kind of logistics and then there was hastily rearranged friendly. So it's definitely been a disruptive one for Pepsi Um, Ty, sorry, I'm getting me... Uh, names ending in i mixed up i'm used to big Bekowski being with us um you know guardiola himself after the um the blackpool win, even kind of questioned his own purpose he wondered why as a manager he was even there pre-season with so many players to work with i'm um, sorry so few players uh, first team players to work with but despite kind of the disruption you know there's been a 2-0 win at preston a 4-0 win at barnsley 4-1 win at blackpool you know taste it um Comprehensive victories over Championship opposition before the um, narrow defeat to Leicester in the Community Shield. What's what have you made um, yourself Ty, of kind of um, City's performances um, this preseason, and uh, do you think it's going to kind of have an effect going into the start of the campaign?
2: I mean, I'm not I'm not sure that the preseason wins were were comprehensive against inferior opposition, but as we said, you know the the biggest winners in pre-season are probably the the youngsters like Samadose and and Cole Palmer who've had a chance to to train and play alongside senior players beyond that I'm not sure Guardiola's learning a great deal I think you know the the most important players at the start of the season are going to be people like Mares especially Mares who's had a full pre-season and he's going to have to carry the team in in the first few weeks really it's been a real stop start pre-season the fact they've got so many English and Brazilians and they both reached their respective finals. Hasn't helped with them only coming back this week, really. And so it has been a real, a really hard preseason to to judge and, and get right. And it has it has felt like a real slow build up to it. Last year was, you know, last year was a mess preseason wise because they'd been in Europe and had such a limited, you know, they basically had two weeks to then get up to speed. And we saw they were scratching at Wolves on the opening day, and then heavily beaten by Leicester. And it took a while to really get into their flow. Obviously, in the end, it, it, it didn't affect them. It, it, it feels like it could be more competitive this year and that will make the start more, more important. And, you know, it, it feels like City have been hugely unfortunate in having interrupted pre-season because of all those English and Brazilian players, especially being away, and then being handed a really tough start. So, you know, I, I think the first few weeks are going to be instructive on the season. I think they'll take scrappy, ugly victories at the moment and, and then, you know, hope they're... The beautiful football comes out as the as the season progresses, but I, I don't think pre season has been many favors. I think the, the fixture list is, you know, really harsh the way it, the way it's panned out given the pre season they've had, and it, it's difficult to see any of those. You know, with maybe the exception of and uh, maybe Edison, maybe Grealish because he played on the weekend. Beyond that, difficult to see any of the Brazilian and English players starting at Tottenham. So it is going to be you know a weakened team and. The real, the real benefits to pre-seasons like this in, in international tournaments are the youngsters who who get called up, and you learn a bit more about them. We might see a few of them involved in matchday squads at the start of the season, certainly with nine subs. But you know, during those three friendlies, I, I don't think Guardiola will have been learning an, an awful lot. And you can kind of understand his frustration at wondering, you know, what what he's doing there when the players he the players he's going to rely to win City the league aren't there and, and are on beaches scattered around the world, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely kind of frustrating. It's, it's, it even his like young players have been affected due to the kind of COVID nineteen breakout of the academy. Of course, he probably would have wanted to give the likes of Tommy Doyle and Liam Delap more game time, but I think Doyle came in to, for the last two friendlies on the bench, and then Delap's Delap's first appearance of the preseason has been in an interview with Sky Sports yesterday, in which he kind of sounds you know sounds optimistic about the future and wants to kind of get more game time this season. But as we say, Joe, a lot of youngsters have been in action um, for this summer. Who do we think has impressed the most and who's going to kind of, are any of them going to be more of a presence in the team? Obviously, Sam Adozi's kind of come out of nowhere, probably the main beneficiary of the lapse kind of um, absence. And then again, Cole Palmer, um, fresh off the new contract being signed um, in the summer. He looks really like the are already the heir to fold and he's only two or three years younger than him.
0: Yeah, well, Adozi probably hasn't come out of nowhere for for the city coaches, I was there at the end of the season in the uh, the under 18 national final. And he'd, he'd, he'd spent his season last season between the under 18s and the under 23s. And I spoke to him after the game and he said, because he was dropping down into the under-18s he felt a, a responsibility to to step up and, and really go for it and within seven minutes he'd scored and got an assist and effectively won the game for, for City in, in that season where they won you know both leagues at, at, at academy level so um, he's an ambitious lad and uh, I, I think he's taken that, that confidence and that form into into the senior squad in this pre-season and uh, yeah delighted to see him get some goals in pre-season and, and that, that performance against Leicester, the first half he probably struggled against Ricardo Pereira but the second half will uh, do wonders for his confidence because he really stuck at it and got got the better of Pereira in the end and uh, he he worked really hard for, for quite a good performance in the end and he will learn so much from that, that outing at Wembley as will Cole Palmer who had probably a little bit of a better game but still He's coming up against men rather than the uh, the under-23s that, that he's used to. So I think your players like Palmer and, and Doyle and De Lapp will be more first team. Well, they'll be training with the squad at least this season and, and appearing on the bench and maybe in a sub-appearance here and there. Players like Adozi and Ben Knight, I think they'll be more in the, the under-23s and it's it's their chance to, to fill the gap left by those who are stepping up and... You know, if they can take the opportunity and, and make sure that next season they've got a chance, if possible, to to play in, in the first team and in first team training, then that's the way it goes. But it must be reassuring for those young players that if you perform at youth level and and make a good impression and wherever you play, whatever position, whatever team you put that effort in, then you will get the reward with the first team. And I think that's, that's the way to go. And uh, City have got a lot of uh, talented young players coming through, whoever they're playing, whatever position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think as I say, I'm predicting as well a slow start to the season. Um, we'll talk more about Spurs in the upcoming campaign as we go on. But I imagine it will be quite similar to how last year played out. But aside from so that, we'll hopefully see a few of them youngsters on the bench in the opening games, as Ty was saying. But aside from the youngsters, you know, there has been some senior players in playing, and it feels like a few of the kind of fringe players are going to have opportunities to really kind of, at the start of the season, kind of prove that they're still worth a spot in the team. Zach Stefan is in an unfortunate position, Ty. He, he's never, he, you know, he could become an to and be able to save absolutely everything. He's still not getting in ahead of Edison, unfortunately. But I thought he played really well in the community shield and made a couple of great saves, especially that one from... Vardy, I think it was, on the edge of half-time when he made it onto the post. And then Benjamin Mendy has been quite nice to see. It must, have been, it must be his longest stint now without any time on the sidelines. He kind of played a consist, um, had a few more consistent games towards the end of the se- last season. I think he actually played the made the most appearances last season than he has in any other season um, that he's been at the club. So Mendy especially, I think, is one that is going to probably start on Sunday. And if he kind of shows that he still has it, especially... Um, You know the attacking might that we saw when he first came. If he can still has that delivery on him and that kind of that ability to kind of get past defenders and run up and down the flank for ninety minutes, I think he could stake a claim, especially when City still haven't got. He's the only actual left back City have actually got.
2: Yeah, he is, and it does still feel like that left back slot is is open to be won. Um, Zinchenko was superb in the second half of last season, but you know he's he's not necessarily a regular left back and. Anyway, it does feel like it's there to be one, but we have been here before with with Mendy and, and seen him make progress, and then suddenly he'll just his form will drop, he'll lose concentration, or or he'll get an injury. But I think he'll certainly start the season in that position. You need to go into certainly once the competitive game start. You need to be going in with you know you can't have too many players starting who are undercooked. So for people who've had a decent length of preseason like Mendy, Mares, and um, Cancelo, I guess maybe Ake. Might find themselves starting just because of they've got the fitness advantage on some of the other players who've had a disruption. So I think for that reason, Mendy probably starts. It, it certainly feels like an opportunity for him. Probably his last opportunity. I mean, it feels like he said he's in the last chance saloon previously, but I think he, you know, he really is this time that he needs to to knuckle down. He needs to prove he can stay fit. He needs to prove he can live his life off the pitch to give himself the the you know the best chance of. Being a professional footballer, he can be, but he's had a pretty decent pre-season. I think he's played fairly well. Um, we know what he can do. There's, you know, there's there's so much hope with Mendy that he can be that player that we saw for, you know, basically about six weeks at the start of his City career when he was absolutely incredible. And then he obviously had the two serious knee injuries. And, and since then, we've not really seen that player. But when you've glimpsed an illusion of, of what he can be, we saw it at Monaco, we saw it in six weeks at City or so. And in those... You know, those first few games he played, he was incredible and there was there was so much hope around him. And it's you know, it's easy to get sucked into believing that player can can one day come back. But he's had a lot of opportunities to do that. He's gonna get another at the start of the season, but you know, it, it really feels like he has to take it now. He's he's got an advantage over Zinchenko in terms of the preseason he's had, and he needs to you know he needs to, to hit the ground running against Tottenham and, and really start the season well and most importantly stay fit.
1: And for you, Joe, has there been any other senior players who've kind of looked sharp to you in these pre-season matches? Uh,
0: well, just to expand on Mendy, I think he could probably not have wished for a better pre-season as much as Pep Guardiola's. You know, bemoaning the lack of players, he's had as good as one-to-one time with Pep Guardiola as he's ever going to get at City, and and he. I think Mendy's weakness is defending, which is worrying for a defender, but um, in in a back four. That's when I don't think Pep Guardiola really truly trusts him. He, he only in the end of last season was given him the chance when he was playing wing backs in a back five. So if he's had these three four weeks to to really focus on on the tactical work with with Guardiola, we might be able to see if that work has gone on and if it's really gone got in and uh, and and he can try and push on that way. So I, I agree fully with Ty, It's it is last chance saloon and you've got a player like Zinchenko who's always improving at left back he's not perfect but he's he's always getting better and he's he's got the nod for those big games so it'll be interesting to see that dynamic play out over the season especially City have seemingly not gone for a left back this summer and prioritized other areas and as for other players I think as yeah Ty pointed out earlier Riyad Mahrez is is going to be crucial Uh, Nathan Ake I think was looking good and then gave away that dodgy penalty against Leicester so he'll be looking for a response and uh, similar with Gael Cancello who's played a few times he's we know how good he is but he's he's a, in a position where Kyle Walker seems to always get the nod at, at right back so uh, there's a few players there who will be looking to take that shirt in the first game and, and keep keep the place in the in the starting 11.
1: Absolutely and uh... Moving on come the pre-season match itself, the transfer window has also been very interesting for City over the um, last few weeks. Of course, they had the big money signing of a foot out of England international with Scott Carson coming back. And um, Jack Grealish has also arrived at the Etihad as well, Ty. £100 million British transfer record. It's big signing. There's a lot of pressure on him. He seems to kind of handle it. Um, without any kind of worry whatsoever, you watched his um press conference on Monday. Um, when he uh, is an official unveiling after the community shield debut, A, what was your impression of him speaking um, to the media after his move? And how do you think he's going to fit in in this city team with that? Has already you know already brimming with so many, specifically talent that plays on the left hand side. Oh, of yeah.
2: the attack? Uh, I was really impressed with him on Monday, I've got to say. Um, I've, I did a few England press conferences in the summer, but never did Grealish. Um, but I think we've all got a stereotype of him, especially from that Sport interview we've probably seen in the summer when he's not sure what an encyclopedia is, although that's probably just his age. If you'd told him Wikipedia, he'd have probably been on it straight away. Um, but I thought he was really engaging, actually. Um, you know, so many footballers are media trained these days to say a lot without saying anything. But he he was really open and honest with every question. I thought it was fascinating. He was asked about the price tag and, you know, the the obvious answer with the price tag is, I'm not going to feel the pressure, blah, blah, blah. But he went further than that and was like, I like it. I like being the first £100 million player in the Premier League, Britain's first £100 million player. You know, so there wasn't, it wasn't just, I'm not going to feel the pressure. It was, I like the pressure. I want that. I'm, you know, I'm, what a price tag to have, what a tag to have on you. And the way he embraced that, I thought was really positive. Um, You know, he was really, he was really interesting in what he can bring to the team it was asked by Sam Lee, a lot of people know at the Athletic, what he can bring to the team. And he, kind of, he basically said, oh, what a question to ask. You, to ask me to big myself up. And then what felt like two or three minutes later, he was still talking and bigging and himself up and explaining what he can do. And, you know, he was just, just really engaging, incredibly open about how it was watching the Champions League that, you know, it's the Champions League he wants to win, how he believes this team can win it. Spoke about watching City um, against PSG in the second leg last year and the quality of, of the game on show really interesting about his two training sessions with Guardiola um and i thought it was a really good really engaging talker probably not what not what i expected to be honest from from what i knew of him um but he was he was really interesting and thought he came across really well and and looking forward to seeing him in that in that team really like you say there's there are a lot of players who can play on on the left and and cut in which he can do sounds like he might be used in in midfield as well at times um You know, it'd be fascinating to see a midfield of, I guess, Rodri, De Bruyne, Grealish would be the obvious 4-3-3 with De Bruyne and Grealish as as number eights. You know, he's played that position before. He's not, you know, he never played it for England. You certainly get the impression Southgate doesn't trust him defensively for England. He didn't play it much for Villa. I think he moved once they got in the Premier League to the left. So perhaps a sign that people aren't, other managers haven't been convinced about his defensive ability. I guess as a number 8 at City he's not going to have as much defending to do and we know De Bruyne can drop deep and, and muck in defensively as well but you know I think I think that would be a fascinating 4-3-3 to see De Bruyne and Grealish playing as as number 8 so much creativity there um and I, yeah I can't wait to to see him I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe started the season on on the left wouldn't be hugely surprised if he started on um, Sunday, to be honest, given how sort of shorter numbers City are, and maybe started on on the left with Mares, on the right. Um, but I think, yeah, most intriguingly for me is is to see him potentially lining up in in central midfield. I think that's probably his favourite position, and uh, to see him and De Bruyne play in there would be certainly memories of um, the De Bruyne David Silva partnership when you know when they were at their peak for City really. And be fascinating to see if if Grealish can have the same kind of impact in that midfield.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the three of us are going to be doing a strongest City 11 when everyone's fit sort of piece for, um, for tomorrow on Friday morning. And I'm thinking about it and I look, and I'm like, does Grealish even actually get in it um, when everyone's 100% on fire? You've got Ford and Sterling, Mares, everyone. You know, Sterling, after the summer he's had, there's so much competition of places in that side now. But if you look at kind of the squad, there's the African Cup of Nations is coming up this year, well, next year in January. Um, so you'd assume Mares is going to be away for a month. So, it, you know, this squad, you know, Foden's out for a month, De Bruyne is injured at the minute as well. It's like, Grealish is going to get a lot of game time at the start of the season, regardless. I think I say, I expect him to start on Sunday as well. And if not starting, at least kind of coming off the bench early in the second half. Um, So it's going to be very interesting. I was also, um I was there for his unveiling in front of City fans outside the Etihad on Monday. And he came out and it seems like he's already a firm fan favourite amongst a lot of City supporters, especially kind of the young fans. Um, there was plenty of jersey, uh, greenish ten jerseys already on show. There were lads wearing Alice bands with the hair far too short for it to be practical. <laughs> so you know he's he's kind of stuck, and his popularity kind of rose without him even playing during the Euros. Everyone wanted; he was the player that everyone was desperate to see. It was like the Joe Cole of yesteryear, or bloody hell whoever else, you know, the, the flash in the pan who always comes out of nowhere and everyone wants to see, but the one who never gets game time, a classic kind of England stereotype in national tournaments. But when he did come on and um, in start, contrast, most of the time he actually made a difference, especially in the Germany game when, you know, he got the second assist and set up the assist for the first goal. So he kind of showed that he can do it on the top stage with the pressures on. And I expect that it might take a while for him to really kind of settle in. We've seen it before plenty of times when um, a new attacker comes to City. It takes a while for him to get used to Guardiola's kind of style of play. But he made a good impression at his unveiling as well. He came out talked for about 10 minutes, had fans laughing, had fans doing arse for him when he was on about coming into the dressing room and not knowing anyone because all the England lot were still away. Um, cracking jokes about De Bruyne being better, obviously better than Stephen Ireland. So, yeah, he seems like a firm fan favourite of any already. And I can only imagine that once he gets on the pitch and starts doing his flicks and tricks, that is only going to increase tenfold. Uh, Joe, kind of quickly before we move on to the other two big stories, kind of what what are you, are you excited to see Grealish and will he will he do deliver on that hundred million fee?
0: I think I think you you got it spot on that he, he was his stock rose by not playing at Euro 2020, and he's probably got a little bit of pressure to to back that up to to show to show why fans wanted him on so much and he did that to an extent when he came on and uh, i think he showed in his cameo against leicester that he will get on the ball try and make things happen win free kicks if he can and and that's going to be really useful for city especially at the start of the season when fitness might not be great just winning those free kicks just to get a bit of a breather might might be really really useful and uh, what what i really like is all the videos and interviews that he's made there is a genuine love for Kevin De Bruyne from Jack Grealish and it's uh, he's not putting it on at all he, he really really admires uh, Kevin De Bruyne really wants to play with him and uh, you can see the pictures of him talking in, in training it's like a meeting your idol and I, th- I think that's going to be a relationship that uh, could really really blossom and wherever they're playing and uh, yeah it's, it's, it's going to be quite a, a really interesting and I think I'm not too sure, as you say, where he's going <clears> to <throat> fit in the best. I think he could play across the, the front three and midfield and the versatility is going to be really useful. It might be a few months to a year or so until we realise where he's he's going to play the best. And we've, we've seen that with loads of players like Bernardo and Mares and, and Sterling and, and even Foden where Pep trials them out, doesn't he, in different positions. So um I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna guess he'll start mainly on the left because he's used to that position and and Foden's out, but I think he will migrate across the uh the forward positions as as the season goes on. But um yeah, he's he's, he's made a very good start to his city career, even without playing. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that how that develops.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I actually think we'll see him playing like the false nine at some point, interchanging with De Bruyne or going deeper, both of them kind of swapping places. That wouldn't surprise me at all, especially if City don't sign a striker come August 31st. And one striker they could have gone for, a guaranteed source of goals, Tie was Lionel Messi in the transfer story of, if not the decade, if not the, the, the bloody century of the history of sport. You know, Messi, tearful Messi, forced out of Barcelona due to, well, you can say La Liga... Financial restrictions are the one. It's purely down to their horrendous mismanagement of the funds they've received from the Neymar transfer. And, you know, ever since then, a woeful mismanagement at that once great club. And then he's gone to PSG. And as I say, the transfer of the century that didn't even cost a penny, at least on the transfer fee. City, of course, were interested in him last summer when he first said he wanted to leave Barcelona due to um, his situation with the then-president, but this year, they haven't gone for him. They, um, they've let PSG, they let him go to PSG unimpeded. Do you think that's the right call from City, should they have gone for Messi? I've seen an interview with Messi this morning, actually. Um, I believe he was speaking English, and he's kind of renowned for not doing so. The fact that he's even learned English kind of tells uh-huh. tells me that. Maybe at one stage, just expecting to come here, it could have been amazing to have Lionel Messi on our, the same postcode, but yet um, instead he's yeah, he's gone to Paris. So, yeah, should have City kind of dropped the ball, not moving there, especially since the next man we'll talk about, Harry Kane. There's no guarantee of him coming either.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it's a sliding doors moment, really, isn't it? And that they were they were so focused on on Messi last year, and obviously he he couldn't edge his way out of Barcelona. And then I think they've had different priorities this year, just because no one expected Messi to leave Barcelona. And once you've committed 100 million to Grealish and are ready to to sign Kane, um. You know there's there's simply no money to sign Messi, whether he's on a free or not, his his salary is is absolutely massive and the money obviously just wasn't there. The it would be interesting to know if if we'd have known back in May or June that Messi was going to go on a free, whether City would have prioritised him ahead of someone like Kane. I mean it's a it's a real it's a real shame because it would have been fantastic to see him in the Premier League and playing for City and just to see what he could do in the Premier League. You know, I'm not going to say he couldn't do it on a wet night in Watford or whatever I'm sure he could do it in a wet night everywhere but it would have been just fascinating to see him in the Premier League I mean he is he is 34 so I guess long term wise it's not you know it's not going to be a disaster the City have, have missed out on him but I think it is it you know it is a shame that we're not going to see him but I just I just don't think they expected him to move and weirdly I don't think anyone does really I mean his contract expired at the start of June I think it would have been and you know, he was available for free for months and so everyone's expected him to resign for barcelona even though you could see their financial situation was a mess and that it was difficult to see how it happened and it was strange that it kind of you know it went on like that for the best part of two months when he was out of contract and until it actually happened there never seemed to be any real suggestion that he was going to leave yeah.
1: well the porter multiple occasions said it's all signed it's all good to go we know for a fact that messi as he repeated numerous times on his unveiling at PSG, he wanted to stay. The contract was signed. It's obviously just, um, I, f- I believe it's kind of the wage the wages, the wages, wage bill in Spanish clubs can only be 70% of the income. And with Messi, Barcelona's would have been about 120. So it just wasn't feasible for them due to their just woeful mismanagement. The amount of kind of deadwood players they have on the books there on stupid money is ridiculous. And at the end of the day, their woeful mismanagement has cost them the greatest ever player <laughs> the play, the greatest player that ever will play for them um, which is kind of sad to see but oh, you just had an image in my head you know Med, he wouldn't play in such a game but can you just imagine FA Cup video Sutton United away and Messi's trips in down there at somebody <laughs> absolutely a for facility even bomber still in Premier League just some absolute ramshackle ground and Messi's turning up with, imagine it was at Marine and they're all there at Garden watching Messi it would have been unreal it would have been so cool Joe but sadly, just not to be, and probably never will be to be now.
0: Yeah, there's a joke about French football, but I'm not going to make it. Um, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, personally, I think the moment had gone. I think City are right to sort of step back this summer, even if it was a, it, it never was an option, or they, they weren't expecting it. I think if they were to go on and sign Harry Kane, or even next season and get another you know, world-class striker for the next five, five years plus, then that's going to be a better investment as, as lovely as it would be to see Messi in the Premier League. I I think it's the moment had gone and uh, last season might have been good, but this season, I think, yeah, I I think something's just missing with, with him going to, to PSG. And we spoke about this time that, there's, there's not any romance in that move at all. It's it's all, he, he's gone because he's had to and because they can afford him, not because he wants to and he wants another challenge. So, um, yeah, personally for me, if they get Harry Kane, then I think that's a much more sensible decision. It's, it's a head over heart decision, but it's it's probably the right one.
1: Well, you've mentioned Harry Kane there. Let's finally get on to him mm-hmm. because sorry, it's been quite the transfer saga this summer. Um, mm. You know, he made his... Thoughts very clear. Well, way back before Euro 2020, that he wanted to leave. Uh, you know, the interview with Gary Neville on I think it's the Overlap podcast, is it called? You know, when he said it would be his decision if he left or not. Well, it's not, unfortunately, oh, Harry. Fuck. It's, it's, um. you know, you have a free co- contract, starts three years on, you signed it three years ago. It is, in fact, Daniel Levy's decision. And it seems like he doesn't want to sell his best player um to a direct rival understandably especially if it, a massive offer isn't made you know Kane after a last week was reportedly supposed to return to training on Monday didn't came a week later um it's been quite surprisingly quite an ugly one you, you wouldn't really expect it I don't think from a player like Kane and it's been a bit unbecoming especially of an England captain but are city kind of going to get there, man, in the end or not? What do you think? Because I'm looking at it, I just don't see how Levy can, I can, su- um, can succeed here. Because if he does, any Spurs player knows all you need to do is stamp your feet, have a sulk, and you can leave. So I just don't see how, unless City literally spend 160 million, which also
2: seems unlikely, because mm. they just spent 100 on Grealish. I just, I just don't see it happening this summer. No, and City have been adamant they're not going to spend £160 million and were very unhappy when it was suggested in one newspaper's showbiz column that they might spend £160 million. So I think we can definitely rule that out. Um, it's hard, it's probably still maybe 50-50, maybe 60-40 that he stays. Um, there was obviously this, this power play over not returning to training and then Kane came out and said, that's a load of nonsense, I wasn't meant to return to training. Um, I noticed today, I think in the... Uh, Standard have said that he's having his day five test to release and um, COVID test today, and if that's negative, he can return to training. He's obviously not be really ready in time to play on Sunday, and I'm sure he had no interest in playing in that game anyway. But it is, you know, it is difficult to see how it happens. Tot- Tottenham are linked with various strikers. Um, you know, the- the- Vlahovic, I think, is the guy from Inter. Um, Lutaro Martinez. So. You could say they're looking at spending the Kane money already, but it is—it's difficult to see, and really, Kane has got no power to talk. Of a gentleman's agreement—I mean, gentleman's agreement is worthless in football. Daniel Levy's not—not not interested in staying on Harry Kane's Christmas card list. So if he falls out with him, he falls out with him. He's not bothered. Um, and you know, Kane—Kane Kane has only got himself to blame here. Why he signed a six sign year contract? is badly advised three years ago. That was at a time. All right, they had Pochettino; they were heading to a Champions League final. But at the end of the day, they've still won nothing. And it was common knowledge that that stadium was going to restrict them, heavily restrict them in the transfer market for a couple of seasons. So I don't really know what he expected at the time and what he thought he was going to get signing a contract that was going to take until he was 31, especially when you know how hard it is to get out of that club. And he can't have needed the money for, for six years. I'm sure he could have taken a three-year contract on 20% less than he did for a six-year contract and given yourself some power. So I just, I don't really understand footballers who commit to these long deals especially at clubs where they know they might need to leave or want to leave at some point. So Hard did the same at Palace when he signed a five-year contract and can't get out. Well, why sign a five-year contract at Palace? It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, Kane has got no one really to blame, but himself and the people that advised him to sign that six-year contract here. Um, It's going to be difficult to to force his way out, especially, you know, whatever happened over training, whether he's due back or not. The fact is that he 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 is now coming back. So that is another... And that's another tick in the Levy column, really. That if he's turning up for work, that's half the battle won. And he doesn't strike you as someone who's going to down tools this season, particularly. So, yeah, I think I think it's probably still edging towards him staying at Tottenham. Um, we know how desperate City are for him; they're not going to break the bank for him at 160 million, but they'd probably go above 100 for him. Maybe there'll come a point where Tottenham think we've we've just got to do it, but you know, it's difficult to see from Tottenham's point of view. And Kane must have looked at them pointing Nuno this summer and just thought, that is so underwhelming. But at the same time, Levy must know that is incredibly underwhelming. And the only thing more underwhelming than appointing your fifth choice as a manager, someone who played awful football at a mediocre Premier League team in Wolves, is letting your star striker go. So that probably reinforces the desire to leave. But I've no doubt that as desperate as Levy is to keep Kane, Kane is equally as desperate to... To get the hell out of there because they're not going to win anything this season. And next year it'd be twenty-nine that summer. And you know, he might be cheaper, it might be easier for him to leave. But the clubs might have found something else next summer. We know Haaland are probably going to move next summer. Titty might think he's a better option than Kane next year. So it does feel like it's maybe now or never for for Kane. So it's going to be an interesting one. I'd probably edge towards him still staying at Tottenham, but I I can see either happening.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I wrote this morning that I think a year's time if City don't sign in, which again, I don't think it's going to happen. Haaland is release clause, uh, rumoured to be 75 million euros, which is probably half the price being touted for Kane. That makes mo- a lot more sense. City fans I was talking to on Monday um, said they'd rather go for Halland instead as well because he's just younger, looks just as ruthless in front of the goal, and obviously has a connection to the club already thanks to his father. And you know, you made a great point about kind of Kane's contract situation. Just look at the difference to to with Grealish. Grealish knew he'd want to go at some point, signed a new deal, but made sure he had a buyout clause in there. Mm. It was steep. Villa didn't think he'd get paid, but City wanted him, City paid it, they got the player. Easy as that, you know. But with Spurs, you know, a gentle, with Kane, sorry, a gentleman's agreement, that, that's not on paper, mate. It, that's just not how it works. It's a cutthroat business. And, you know, maybe that just shows the, how important a, a good agent is in this game after all. You know, we're we all quick to slag off agents. But when a player is represented by the brother, it might show that, you know, it's not as good as Villa um, Grealish, who has a really good agent I'm backing him. But, yeah, Joe... What, what what do you reckon um how's is kane coming or not I, again i'm leaning towards now. uh
0: well it's it's going to be tricky isn't it i think if he if he can be signed this summer i think city should definitely go for him and they should try as hard as they can to sign him but as we've said if it comes to next next summer and it's a choice between kane and Haaland, then you've got to go all out for Haaland. i, I think if you sign harry kane you you're guaranteeing you know he, he won the golden boot and the top assist last season he's he guarantees goals and when you look at your City's title rivals in Chelsea are signing Lukaku, uh, United have signed Jadon Sancho and takes the defence in in signing Varane and it, it's going to be a signing that will help them retain that Premier League title so it, and, until it's over I think City should really persist in trying to get it but if it doesn't happen this summer then I think that should be a, be be the end of it and just say do you know what it's, it's not worked, we tried but Let's move on to other, other targets
1: now. Will it be a bad look for City if they don't sign a striker this summer, Because, you know, it's we've known that City have been planning for years for this summer to be the one they sign in a striker. They budgeted, strengthened elsewhere in the squad for everything to be prepped and ready for this summer to get a striker. They let Aguero go in the summer, and the officer, chairman, um, Carl Dean, on the barrack in his postseason interview said, you know, pretty much promised. You know, he said he was confident they'd be able to replace someone, get someone to refill Aguero's shoes. Will it be a bad look, a bit of like egg on the face, if they don't get it done this summer? Or do you think signing the signing of Grealish, we've still got Jesus, Torres, Sterling, Foden, De Bruyne, will it be enough for a year, even if, you know, Chelsea, as we'll come on to Chelsea and United are strengthening um, really well um, ahead of the new season?
0: My, my first instinct is to answer that as, yeah, you know, it will look sort of bad on City they put all the eggs in the basket of signing a replacement for Aguero and I don't think Grealish is that even though he is a probably going to be a very good signing he's, he's not an out-and-out striker and City don't have one of those as, as good as Jesus is in my book but um, then you look back at last season and they didn't have Aguero for the majority of the season and they still won the league and, and a cup and got to a semi-final and a final in the other competitions so th- there's goals in that team they've they've got so many options and so much movement in that attack that they will always score goals but having a striker especially someone like Kane will just make it easier and turn those sort of scrappy sort of one goal wins that on a on a cold Tuesday night where nothing's going your way it'll turn that into a two or three no win when you know you can bring some key players off earlier and I I think that will be the difference and this season's going to be so much more competitive especially in the games against the big big clubs we've, we've touched on the the other clubs that are strengthening liverpool are welcoming back their key players so they're going to give much more of a, a good account of themselves this season so um i think they do need a striker and they will manage without it as they always do and, and have done and they can further mould Ferran Torres into a bit more of a, a centre-forward if they need to and he, he had a very promising first season and I'm I'm quite excited to see what he can do in his second season but they should still, they still have to sign a striker for me as I'm not saying they won't win the league if they don't but they've got a much better chance of winning winning the title and winning more trophies if they do get a striker over the line.
1: Yeah, absolutely I and mean, we'll move on to Sunday. They're playing in a, you know, a delicious slice of irony uh, tie yeah. the play in Tottenham. We don't think Kane's gonna play. There's been reports that he might. You know, it's not like they haven't rushed Kane when he's n- not fit back into action no, before. Sure. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he lines up. But even if he doesn't play, they've still got Son min who's done City a lot of trouble in the past. And uh, you know, especially it was the game that basically ended Laporte's run in the team when Son mugged him off twice. Um, uh, last season. How do we think this game's going? Spurs, you know, despite all the controversy, they've made a couple of good smart signings in Christian uh, Romero and Brian Gill both look like talented players. They've still got sun, as I say, they've still got some good players here and there. How do we see Sunday going? It's kind of hard to say preseason. We don't know but we don't know what's going what. It's hard to make a for a prediction. But you know, Spurs have had a good preseason as well. They drew with Chelsea and defeated Arsenal. Like Nuno, we know the kind of football he plays, it's gonna be solid dependable kind of counter-attacking, especially with Sun on the break. So how, how do we how do we see Sunday going?
2: Um, yeah, tricky, tricky one, probably. And I mean, Nuno's Wolves team did give City some problems um, at times as well. They obviously won at the Etihad. They they won 3-2 um, over Christmas a couple of years ago at, at Molyneux. So his teams have given City some problems before. I think it's a tough one for City just because of the fact that so many of their players have only been back in so many of their key players have only been back in pre-season training this week, basically. So I think it's a, a tricky one for them. The fact that Kay might be unavailable maybe levels it up a bit. And it, it does feel like there's just so many unknowns that it's it's hard to make a prediction. There's a new manager at Tottenham, but you know, if City were to come flying out the blocks, and would be turning up in 15-20 minutes. You can imagine that that place turning really on, on Levy, especially, because they're not, in the fans there aren't happy with Daniel Levy. They were underwhelmed by Nuno's appointment. If they start badly, you can imagine that that it, the place will turn. So, there's that possibility as well. So, I think it is it is a really hard game to predict. And as I said before, I think City will take any kind of victory if they can get a back to the wall one nil and and get the hell out of there and, and get back up the hem six with it. Then I think they'll take it because it is it's a tricky opening fixture when you've had such a disrupted preseason. So it's all forget the performance. It's one of those days that's all about the win.
1: Yeah, definitely. Joe, we've said before that the more exciting action might be in the boardroom uh, on Sunday, but how do we see the match kind of playing out on the pitch?
0: Uh, very, very similar. I can, as you say, I can see Sky Sports having a camera or two fixated on that director's box rather than on the pitch or, you know, on the on the managers, because it, it's, it's going to be a game where neither team's going to be really fully fit. If Kane plays or not, he's not going to be fit and if he doesn't play, then they're going to be missing a, a bit of a focal point. And it, yeah, I, I, if you offer City a 1-0 win, however it comes, it's, it's going to be a, a, style is going to go out the window. It's just going to be a, a grind it out. A bit like they did last season in the first game at Wolves against Nuno, uh, ironically, but yeah, um, it's it's partly going to be about fitness as well. City will probably look a bit like they did against Leicester to contain the game and and hopefully get an opening and and hopefully score and keep it tight at the back. So I'm not really expecting a a cracking watch. There have been some good games at at Tottenham in the last couple of years, even if it's not been a City win, they've been quite good to watch and end-to-end and quite sort of tense and on a knife edge. But I think this one will be a bit more both teams trying to just stay in the game and, and not give anything away and... It, it, it's one of them games that come the end of the season, three points could be really, really important and one point probably doesn't do anyone a favour, so it's going to be all about getting the win, not as much about playing well and, and Guardiola will know that.
1: Can I get a score prediction from you?
0: I'll go 1-0 City, but it could be 1-0 Tottenham and, yeah, cool. I don't think there'll be many goals.
1: Are you in agreement, Ty?
0: Yeah,
2: I completely agree with that. Could be 1-0 to either, so let's right. go with 1-0
0: City.
1: I'll go over 1-1. I can see Sun kind of Rescuing Tottenham's um, blushes a little bit because he is class, and I feel like he kind of gets mm. forgotten. I, I how no one's been linked with him? I know no one can actually afford anyone this summer, but how he's still there and no one's like, why don't City please sign him? He's just had a new contract, hasn't he—he's <sighs> never leaving. <laughs> <laughs> he's never leaving. He's stuck. Well, as we go, as we say, the Premier League starts on Friday night. Arsenal v newly promoted Brentford. It's been an interesting summer. You know, we've had cool, um, intriguing teams coming up. Watford. And Norwich, the perennial yo-yos are back once again, no doubt to go back again. But both have made some interesting signs. Norwich especially have brought in Billy Gilmore, who could be quite interesting. Brentford are a team who might look to do a bit of a lead, the kind of that team who a similar team who kind of play really an exciting um pressing football. They've got Ivan Tony, who can score um, goals for days, and a few more um interesting attackers who are no doubt will um have some bright months in the Premier League but the real kind of stories have been the strengthening at the top obviously United have brought in Jadon Sancho and Raphael Varane subject to a medical but we, we we expect Varane to be confirmed on Thursday which is an amazing signing the combination of Varane and Maguire um, along with Sean Wambasaka is set up to be one of the best defences in the league Chelsea um, looks set to bring Romeo Lukaku back to the club um, he's just come fresh off the back of top scorer and top assister in Serie A um, or maybe top of all of that combined, maybe, if I'm getting that mixed up a little bit. But he's just come back and basically firing into to the Serie a title and kind of breaking Juventus's monopoly on the Italian league. And then um, I think some other teams below are quite interesting. Well, I say below. Liverpool, um, as you, as Joe said earlier, San Canate, who looks like a good defender, and also will be welcoming back Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez um, and a few more players, even though they have just lost Alex Robertson to a crucial injury as well, which is obviously horrible. But then, you know, the likes of Leicester um, with the signs of Dacca and Samer and Villa bringing in, even though they've lost Grealish, they brought in Leon Bailey um, and they've Danny Ings, Ashley Young's back as well. It's shaping up, I feel like, to be quite an interesting season, Joe. There's a lot of, um, I feel like Leicester and Villa, especially, are two teams who are going to, and maybe even Leeds as well. Leeds are brought in, um, they've taken advantage of Barcelona's um, dreadful situation and brought in Fripo, um, a really fast and attacking left-back. So I feel like, the top end of the table can actually be quite competitive. I can see the Leicester, Villas, the leads of the world, kind of giving a few bloody noses this year, especially to the likes of Arsenal and Spurs, as we said.
0: Yeah, I think the race for the sort of final top four spot is going to be quite interesting. I think City and and Chelsea and probably United are going to be fairly fairly certain of a top four place, but maybe not guaranteed. And then Liverpool would fancy the chances and. And then, like you say, Leicester and, and Villa are probably going to give Arsenal and Tottenham a, a run for the money. It's it's not going to be um, guaranteed that it's the you know everyone talks about the, the big six. It's not a big six anymore. It's probably a a big eight or something. It, it's half the league who, who are capable of finishing in the in the in the European places. So um, no, it's uh, it's going to. I think it could be wide open. I, it's not going to be any side running away with it. But I say that in the last you know two out of the last three seasons, it's it's been a you know, a cancer for the for the winning side. So, what do I know?
1: Well, hopefully, a bit. because you're employed to know stuff, oh, yours, yeah. we'll, <laughs> let you, we'll let you off on this on this instance. Ty, as I said, there, there is a lot of teams who've done some good business, but there are also teams who have done. Next to no business. Everton look in absolute dire straits, mm-hmm. having brought in Andros Turns and Damari Grey, and I think Asmir Begovic are their only signings. And of course, the the appointment of Rafa Benitez, which I'm sure is gonna go down swimmingly on merseyside side. And then Newcastle look I'll tell you what, actually, that does look out interesting. And I don't know if it's gonna pay off or not, but Crystal Palace have made three or four really intriguing young signings who and they needed a squad rejuvenation big time. Um I don't know if it's going to work with Patrick Vieira in charge, but again, another team who could go either way, quite interesting. Burnley have done literally no business whatsoever, which is quite funny, because I don't they're going to end up surviving again despite doing absolutely not. I think they've like Nathan Collins from Stoke, who was actually linked to United a few times, and then Mark Helm, United Youngster, and oh and Wayne Hennessy, of course. So yeah. It's, I, I feel like there's going to be a big divide between bottom ten and top ten. Wolves, another one who's got a, going through a lot of change. I can't see them kind of being for as high up as they usually are. Even though, of course, they've some good players and Neves and Triore and whatnot. But I feel like the top ten, the gap between tenth and then the bottom ten is going to be. Um, I think it's going to be quite a divide this year.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's probably a good shout. There's, there's certainly a few teams I mean you've asked us for predictions I won't give anything away but you've mentioned a couple there that I didn't have for relegation that I'm now thinking yeah they could be in trouble actually so there is probably going to be six seven eight teams at the bottom who who are fairly well cut adrift but beyond that at the top I think it's going to be really competitive I think it's a wide open title race those you know I think those top four teams will all start the season believing they can win the title and I think how they start is is going to be crucial given the disruptive pre-season it feels like a now, we've had scenarios in the past where you can start slowly and recover. City kind of did it last year in a way. But if this is back to a season where it requires 95, 98 points to win the league and you can, you've can, you got to win 30 or 38 games, that makes game one and two as important. It's game 37 and 38. So that really puts the pressure on when you're going into big games with players that might be slightly undercooked. So I think that's going to be interesting. And I, do, I, I think the most interest is going to be in that title race because I do think, I can't remember a time where there was four teams going into the season who all felt they could win the league. You know, you might all think we should be there or thereabouts, but realistically knowing they're not. But, you know, I think even if you look at the odds, I think all of those four teams are are under eight to one to, to win the league. And that's, that's pretty rare. I think the second favorites in France are 20 to one. So, you know, that shows you it's, it, it should be pretty competitive and, you know, it'd be no surprise if, if City came out on top, but I think they're going to face a challenge this year. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if all four of those top four teams uh, are battling away for the title, certainly in the early weeks of the season. I think they'll all go in thinking they can win it.
1: Yeah, um in actual fact, the, it's 22 to one, the second favourites in the league and with four Monaco two, and yeah. Leon. And the holders, Lille are down at 36 to one. So that tells you just what's going to go on in Paris this year. But I think away from the um the actual action itself, you said there will it be a 95 point season? I don't think it will, because it might not quite feel like it anymore, but you know we're still doing this from home. You know we still are in a pandemic, and um, it's going to have its impact on football. You'd imagine at some point in the season, the Premier League's done really well in furnace to it, to not to make it not that disruptive since um, Project Restart um, last year. You know, we've seen City, you know, Laporte's having to self isolate due to a report, um, due to someone testing positive on his plane, even though he's testing negative. There's a breakout in the academy. I still feel like COVID's going to have an effect on the season, and I still think, especially with you know, we've just had two international tournaments, the season's kind of been pushed together again, even though it should have been kind of the start, should have been delayed a bit. You know, it's gonna to have to be else smudged in because next year we've got a World Cup that's gonna come in halfway through the season. I'm still thinking it's gonna be a campaign that is not played to the best of everyone's ability because everyone's just gonna be absolutely goosed. I can't you know, feel like so, there's gonna be so many more injuries this year and stuff like that. Because I feel like these poor players and you know, and it says something if I'm have to say having to say the poor when they make it in a minute what I make in a year, but it's, I just don't see how they can conform to the top of their abilities week in, week out, when they're going to be absolutely run ragged.
0: I think it is going to be a bit similar to last season where City were obviously the best team, but they were also the best equipped to soak up injuries and, and isolation and, and fitness issues. and be, Because they've got the deepest squad and, and the most quality in the squad, and I think it's going to be quite similar this season. And As, as much as we're singing the praises of Chelsea and, and Liverpool and Arsenal, Uh, And United, sorry, they've shown in the last year or so that an an injury or two to key players really, really will derail them and and City have shown that they can go a season without a striker, for example, so um, there there will be an element of that but um, I think there is also an element of those teams strengthening and and really seeing this season as as the one where they can catch City, so it'll be fascinating but just because of the depth City have, I I think they've got an edge and I think that's why they should start as favourites and go from there and see what happens
1: absolutely the thing i must say the thing i'm most excited about for this coming season fans are going to be back at long last i'd hope to see you know we saw a, a tiny taste of it um, during euro 2020 and i think we've already seen the football league kicking off and it's so much better you know we've just found the celebrations it's just it just make you know it's just nice to see again i imagine the fans being back in stands will kind of give that extra boost fan. and it's going to be interesting to see how players react to coming back in, you know, the communication on the pitch, not being able to hear each other anymore, which I imagine they've got used to, but as I say, I can't wait to see stadiums full again and hopefully we get some good scenes in end, um coming soon this year, but before we bring this to a close, this bumper preview edition, I've asked you both for some quick fire predictions um, so I'll ask, we'll go to Joe, sorry, we'll go to Joe and then Ty and then me. Um, we'll get through this quick so uh, producer Ash can, um, you know, he's wanting us off this quickly because we've given him loads of work to do. But we'll go on quickly. So first, Joe, who's going to win the Premier League? Uh, City. Ty? City. I'm going Chelsea if the sign Lukaku. Um Who else will fill up the top four, Joe? Uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, United. Tyrone?
2: Liverpool, Chelsea, United.
1: I've gone City, United, Liverpool. Um Joe, which three teams will be relegated? Uh
0: I think Norwich. I think Southampton because they've lost Danny Ings and I could see Crystal Palace as well. Tyrone.
2: I've gone for Stampton and Norwich as well, and for Watford. I've gone for Watford, Norwich.
1: No, I'm not gonna say Burnley. I'm gonna say Crystal Palace. Actually, no, I'm going to say Newcastle. It's their time to go. Newcastle. Watford, Norwich, and Newcastle. <laughs> um, Joe, top scorer? Um, Lukaku, if he joins, assuming he joins. Lukaku. Lukaku. Yeah, I've gone Lukaku as well, but Kane, if he goes to um, City. Uh, Joe, most assists? Got to be De Bruyne. KDB. KDB. Okay. I've gone Sancho. Mix it up a little bit.
0: Mm. Who's going to win the FA Cup, Joe? Um, I don't think City. I'll say United. Tight. Chelsea. I've gone Aston Villa. Um, League. League <laughs> Cup. Joe. Uh, well, it's, it's it's only going to be City, isn't it? Tight.
2: Yeah, but don't know where anyone else enters City. <laughs> right. Well, I've gone Bolton because we beat. <laughs>
1: We beat a championship team on Tuesday. Win League One. We've got. We're going to beat Wigan in a couple of weeks. Bolton in Bracket City, obviously. Um, Joe, first manager to be sacked.
2: Um, whoever the Watford manager is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. I've wrote, I've wrote mine down here, and I've put Vieira right, or whoever manages Watford these days. Um, so, the guy who manages mine.
1: Watford these days is a Spanish fella.
2: Carl. it's got like an
1: X in his name. Isco. It's called. It's called. It's That's it. yeah. Yeah. I've gone for big Rafa. I just can't see that lasting at all. Um Joe, best signing.
2: Um Tight? Yeah, I've gone for Ferran as well. I think it could be game changer.
1: I've gone Lukaku, but I also think Daka and Buendia at Leicester and Villa could um, gonna have good season. Yeah, Buendia, um,
0: definitely.
1: Uh biggest flop, Joe.
0: Um I'm not too sure. There haven't been many sort of It's it's down. hard this
1: one. It's hard this one.
0: Uh, maybe Danny Ings. I'm not convinced that he's is the answer for Villa. Tight. Uh
2: I've gone for maybe not flop, but not worth the money that they might be paying for him. Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah, I, I've gone for Ben White as well. I was
1: going to be cheeky and put Grealish down because I still think he's going to be he's going to justify hundred million in his first season, but. Ben White just kind of takes the takes the biscuit there. Um, who's going to win the Champions League, Joe? I think this will be quite an easy one to answer. Somewhere.
0: If it's not Paris Saint Germain, something's gone horribly wrong, hasn't it?
2: So uh, PSG or one of the four English teams? They're the only five that can win it, I think.
1: City, I'm going to do it. City, are going to do it, and they're going to beat Messi in the final. It's going to be well funny. And then, Joe, your dark horse for the Premier League season. Who's going to do well? Who maybe
2: shouldn't?
0: And. Um... It's not a very original answer but I think Aston Villa their signings despite losing issue, really, very very uh, astute signings
2: Leeds
1: yeah I've I've literally put both Villa and Leeds I think Leeds have got a un, kind of quiet summer but this they've kept the big the team together another year under to in the Premier League I think they're going to smash it and that everyone brings our Premier League preview to a close. Thank you very much for listening to us. Um, I know we've rattled on for quite a while, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. Of course, you can go over to the Manchester Evening News forward slash Manchester City um, for all the build-up to Sunday's opener. And of course, I will have all the action brought to you um, as soon as it happens right there. And then, of course, we're on Twitter at Man City MEN and Facebook um, at Manchester Evening News Man City. Thank you very much for listening and we'll no doubt see you next week. ta